He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Sam Humphreys with you. Taylor Williams not with us today. He's a little under the weather. Really sad that he couldn't make it down here because we are at the Charlie Coe Center for a special edition of the 73rd Hole down here with the University of Oklahoma men's golf program talking to Chris Goddard, Logan McAllister, and Patrick Welch. Sam, it is a beautiful Oklahoma morning, and it's great to be down here at OU. Yeah, when we were walking in, Colby goes, man, I would knock a couple shots off my game if I got to practice out here all the time I said I would get worse because I would practice all the time <laughs> also because you're a pessimist yeah that's you're a true. pessimist about your own and I'd golf have to game. practice on days like today I'd feel guilty yeah days like today it's definitely a little cold I don't know how many shots these guys are gonna be hitting today we appreciate y'all joining us Chris let's start with you because you just got back from Puerto Rico and as I understand your clubs might make their way back at some point as well yeah that's a that's a to be determined um, they're stuck in Charlotte at the moment so um, I got the day off today, I think, so that, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, day off is definitely good. And then Logan McAllister, Patrick Welch joining us as well. Logan, you have been around Oklahoma for a while now. What was your first semester at OU? Uh, my first semester was fall 2018. So Fall 2018, first semester. So you've been around. That was just post-national championship. So this is your last semester no matter what, right? Uh, or do you have a COVID I year? Ha- I have a COVID year. Okay. But, that confuses we'll, me how we'll, it all we'll works. See. We'll, we'll see, see how that works out. So, And then Patrick Welch joining us as well, coming off the big win a couple of weeks ago. You must be kind of riding high. Big win, kind of get you back where you need to be. Uh, how are you feeling about your game right now? I feel really, really good about it. You know, I've hit my driver really well, hit my irons really solid, and more importantly, I'm putting really well again. It's really nice to have all three at once for a tournament like that, and, you know, it's been good. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So let's kind of dive in here. Chris, let's start with you. Just talk about your experience in Puerto Rico. I mean, you really hovered around the leaderboard all, all four days. Ryan Bram ends up going off and winning the tournament by six shots, but you contended first top ten for an amateur on the PGA Tour in five years. What was the whole experience like, all the media coverage, you know, kind of you were the talk of Twitter for a couple of days. What was that all like? Uh, it was funny, you know, I, I got off the plane uh, straight from Vegas after, you know, we got done there on Tuesday, and um, I went there, got my clubs checked, and they were all off, and uh, they were all off by like two, three degrees, so I, it was nice to get that figured out, and then, um, you know, it was nice to go play well, and obviously Bram played amazing, and that story is pretty cool, but, um, you know, to play, play well and have a couple people down there supporting me it was pretty awesome. Vinny, I want to ask you about your win at Southern Highlands, too. Just tell us about that week, kind of same question about that Colby asked Chris, but what's clicking right now that and what things have you been working on that kind of, you know, is leading to the recent success? Yeah, no, um, basically my whole game's kind of clicking right now, which is really, I mean, if you win, right. I mean, you have to have everything <laughs> clicking. And, uh, you know, we played in Puerto Rico a few weeks ago, and Chris basically washed everyone that week, and I played really well the first day, but – didn't really keep up enough, even though I played pretty well the last two days. But we won as a team. Uh, the whole team was playing really well. It was nice for me to play really well. But it was just a good confidence boost for sure, just to get a top ten and with a lot of the spring season going forward. And, 
you know, I didn't have an expectation to win at Southern Highlands, but I had a feeling that I was going to play pretty well because I played there a few times, freshman and sophomore year, and now this year. So. Yeah, absolutely. And all these OU fans will recognize Patrick by his cross-handed swing. And so kind of give the backstory. I, I won't say how did you start playing cross-handed because I'm sure that you just felt comfortable doing it, but how did you keep playing cross-handed? Yeah, no, sorry. I mean, I I picked up a golf club when I was about two or three and just held it that way. I was just – it was a plastic club. I'm hitting it left-handed, right-handed. I'm just kind of holding it with that grip. And then, I mean, it just it just stuck, really. I mean, I played my first, like, tournament when I was about six, played cross-handed. And you know, my parents were like, you know, you should – you're not holding it the right way, <laughs> but you're young, so you just you can do do it for as long as you want. But they figured I'd I'd eventually switch, but I I just never did. Did so. anyone ever try to change it? Yeah, a, a ton of people did. Just even people I like had no clue who they were. I mean, <laughs> just like random people on the range. I'm just hitting balls, and they're coming up to my dad saying he's not holding it right. And my dad's just like, yeah, but he'll he'll figure it out. <laughs> he's not holding it right, but he's hitting it right, which is the yeah, most important I, thing. So I, I think I'd hope so, but. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just second nature. It just feels completely natural to me. Okay, so here's my question, and as you get older, maybe you'll experience more of this. I have to stretch now for like an hour before I hit golf balls. I'm getting a little older. My body's getting a little tense. When you first got to OU and, and your, your grip kind of became the talk of the town around here, I went out to the range and I held a club left hand low, and I tried to make a swing. I'm physically not flexible enough to do it. I mean, do you do a ton of stretching? Do you do yoga? What do you do to get your body to flex where you can swing left hand low and still get your body around and create club head speed? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't stretch. <laughs> I mean, I That's played, awesome. I played baseball in high school. I played basketball in high school. And when I played baseball, I hit left-handed. So that grip was the same. So it didn't affect my golf or baseball swing or anything. But I've never been in – I probably need to start stretching more. I'm – I mean, it's definitely going to help when you're older. But, I mean, I just kind of just get out on the range and just kind of swing. And I love it. One more yeah. thing I wanted to ask you about Southern Highlands was I saw on Twitter you hit this shot from under a tree. I think it was on 18, was it not? Or uh, 16. 16. Yeah. Okay, so take us through that shot because it looked like you had no shot and hit it up there, you know, around the green or on the green. Yeah, no, I – it was 16. It's kind of – it's a little dog leg left, but there's like two fairways. And usually if you hit a good drive, you're going to go up the left side, mm -hmm. left part of the fairway, and have, like, a little flip wedge in. And I was just – I figured I'd hit, like, the same drive I've always hit, like, all week, like a one-yard cut. I hit it pretty pretty darn straight, and it just was going right at the trees. It just needed to cut, like, a few few more feet, and it would have been fine, but just kind of hung out there on the left. I saw it land, like, right in line with that tree, and I was like, I don't know if that's, like, in it or short of it. I just hope I had a shot. And my ball was, like, five feet in front of it, but the lie was, like, not that good, like, at all. And I just – I mean, I was looking at the tree, though, and I was like, I can just hit it over, like, a normal wedge. And then Coach Hibble was like, you need to, like, flop it. <laughs> and I was like, you think? And he was just like, yeah, like, if you don't flop it, you're going to just – you're not going to get it out. Or you can just punch out sideways. And I was just like, I'll just – I was like, okay. And then I got over the ball, and, like, the lie wasn't great. The tree was there. I'm like over it. I'm like looking up, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm, <laughs> I'm opening this thing up and swinging as hard as I can. But like I needed to make really good contact just to like get high and like far enough up, and it came out perfect. I mean, was was, was, was this final round? Yeah. Did you know where you stood at the time? 
No. Okay. I knew, like... <laughs> you knew you were close. You knew you had a chance to win, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, because my playing partner, Fred Biondi from Florida, he... I think I was, like, one up on him going into the back nine, and then and then I was up, like, two or three, like, throughout the rest of the back nine. So I knew I was two up on him, but I didn't know how everyone else was doing, so I was just trying to, you know, make keep making birdies and kind of separate myself from him. So, so once you hit that shot, did that one feel – I mean, once you got up there and you saw that you had pulled that shot off, that one must have felt pretty good and kind of eased you into those last couple of holes. Yeah, no, it was a huge sigh of relief because if that hits the tree or – I get right underneath it and doesn't go anywhere, then you're looking a lot more trouble coming down the last few holes and that hole especially. But I wasn't even trying to hit the green. I was just trying to hit it short of the green. But it ended up getting on. So I can ask this question to all three of you, really, but I'll start with Logan. How much is PGA Tour U in the forefront of your mind? And if you don't like it being in the forefront of your mind, how do you kind of keep it kind of in the back of your mind? Yeah, I mean, with how important it is as far as – pro golf goes it's hard not to be in the front of your mind and I know it's easy to say I'm just going to throw it to the back but that's obviously hard to do and so I mean I I'm not going to lie and say I don't think about it but I try to let my game kind of do the talking if you will because there is going to be updates every week and you're going to see it on Twitter Instagram where you're tagged and you can't not see it basically and it's important to know where you're at just because that is what I want to do for a living and to be able to finish top five in that is a huge start to, to that and so, you know, it is hard to, to not put it in the fore, forefront of your mind, but uh, I just try to focus on what I'm doing on the golf course, and hopefully uh, that can kind of go to the back of my mind at that point. Yeah, and Chris, you know, you obviously, you're coming over from Rutgers. You're starting much lower in the PGA Tour U. You're rapidly climbing. Is it like every Wednesday you're checking to see where you're at and checking to see where you're moving up, or are you just going out trying to play golf, let the chips fall where they may? How, how closely are you watching it? Um, I, you know, I look at it, but I don't really look at it too intensely. Um, I kind of just keep playing every week and where I fall, I'll fall, but, um, I know it's important and if I keep playing well, I'll be fine, but I try not to worry about it because if I'm thinking about it, then bad things will probably happen. But, um, if I just keep playing well, I'm not going to, not going to be too worried about the rankings. Everything will kind of fall in place if I keep doing my thing. Yeah. And you have been playing pretty well. So. Did you even come back to Norman at all? Because I forgot that y'all were in Puerto Rico as a team a couple of weeks ago. So you went to Puerto Rico, Vegas, back to Puerto Rico. Did you come back to Norman at all? Yeah, thank God. Uh, <laughs> if I if I was from Puerto Rico, Vegas to Puerto Rico, I, I'd be a zombie right now. But, um, yeah, I think we came back for four or five days maybe. Uh, that's actually when it snowed and all that crazy weather happened. So we got a couple of days off, and then we went straight to Vegas. And then I left uh, left the guys after they – after they won on uh, Tuesday and um, uh, got down to Puerto Rico Wednesday at like 10 a.m. or something like that. So it was, a, it was a pretty crazy week, but it was all, all worth it at the end. So what is it about Puerto Rico? I mean, you had a couple <laughs> of pretty successful weeks there. You win the college event. You finished top 10 as an amateur. What is it about Puerto Rico golf? Uh, I don't know if it's Puerto Rico golf, but it might be that golf course. Um, par fives are pretty much built for me. If I had to design my own, they might all be in there. Um, and then, you know, you got tough par threes and, uh, some tough par fours too. So if you can take advantage of a couple of par threes here and there coming down the stretch and obviously I took advantage of the par fives that week with a, you know, with an Aaron shot on 18, the one round, but, um, the second round on Friday, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Where I yeah. smoked the tent. But other than that, uh, other than that, I played him pretty well, but that was, that was funny. We were, I, I hit it. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And it, this thing takes off and everyone's like, everyone's screaming in the grandstand and, and, 
Uh, what, what club was that? Where, where four were you iron. Hitting? Four iron, and you just just flared it. Yeah, I don't even know what happened. I, <laughs> I, 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 just, I was like, oh, I'm gonna make birdie here. This is money. I got like two fifty down straight downwind. Put this up there, up and down, and then I hit it. I'm like, oh my god! And then <laughs> everyone's going crazy up there, and uh, it was it was. Disaster, but um, it was fun. I, me and my buddy were laughing about it because, like, you know, you see this on TV all the time, and then to be there and you're looking under the tent for a golf ball, you're like, what the heck am I doing? Well, and I love that you finished T7 as an amateur, and we're sitting here talking about the one errant shot that you hit on Friday. Well, there was one that wasn't on TV that was even funnier. On hole four, I chipped it up, green side, I was pin high in two, easiest shot you could draw up, dead flat, probably 30 yard chip. All the green in the world to work with, and I just airmailed it into the water. Oh! And not I didn't, not airmail, but I chipped it and just rolled into the water. And I, I I looked at my buddy and just started laughing. Like it was so bad, it was comical. What round was that in? Third. Third. I think third. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited. I didn't see that one, so you did a good job. Yeah. They, they, I I purposely did that for the ones that weren't on TV. So. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah. So. Did you see all the stuff throughout the week? I mean, people are posting. They're like, 30 years since an amateur's won on the PGA Tour. I mean, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're hanging around the lead. Are you seeing that stuff? Are you trying to block it out? Mentally, what are you doing to make sure you're in the right frame of mind when you tee off Sunday? Uh, I was looking at it. You know, it's cool. But um, I had some good momentum going in throughout the week and just keep going. So when I'm looking at that stuff, it uh, it's kind of just a reassurance in a way um, that I'm doing something right at least. But... I don't think anyone was catching Brem that week. Unfortunately, he was uh, he was playing a different golf course, but um, which was which was cool because the story was insane. But uh, his story's pretty cool. Yeah, that after reading up on that, after it was all over. Did he, you play with him at all any of the four days? No, I didn't. But he was playing behind me, and I, I so we got on the last round. Me and my buddy were walking up the fort. So there was a board on eight, and then a board on fourteen, and we get up to fourteen. Eight, it was like. Two three shot lead, and then we get up to fourteen, and he's at, I'm like, holy shit, he's at twenty, <laughs> and he's got, and the next guy's at like thirteen, and I'm like, all right, this is a joke, and because it was blowing like crazy, and to do what he was doing on those holes was pretty insane. Vinny, I was talking to Q on the range out at Oak Tree, Quade Cummins, uh, two days ago, and he wanted me to ask you guys kind of the team culture for this year because he thinks it's a little different. And he thinks that last year it was like all the expectations were on you guys to be the best team in the country at the start of the year, whereas maybe this year you guys kind of came into the year as underdogs and now you have kind of new expectations now being the number one team in the country later on in the year. Kind of tell me, do you agree with that? And, and kind of tell me how you guys are handling the new expectations being the number one ranked team. You know, I do. I, I definitely agree with having that underdog mentality to start the year. I mean, I feel like, I mean, honestly, I knew we were going to be pretty good, but we won four tournaments already this year. I don't think we won four. We may have won three or four last year. Yeah, so, I mean, we've all been playing really well, and I, although we're, like, number one ranked or whatever, I mean, I don't think that changes our mentality of trying to win every tournament mm. every week. So we're still having that underdog mentality and stuff. So I think it's works well for us and we're going to, we're going to keep it. Yeah. And Chris kind of coming from Rutgers, what are the differences you've seen as far as Ryan Hibble's culture? Because I feel like Hibble's culture is such a brotherhood. And I think that that's one of the things that separates you guys as a college golf team where I never hear anybody talk bad about anybody else. You guys are brothers and it's kind of, 
you know, you guys are all friends. You hang out off the course. And, and just tell me everything about the differences, not only between Oklahoma and Rutgers, but Oklahoma and everybody else. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a huge difference between us and everyone else. And then, obviously, you know, coming from Rutgers in New Jersey to here is also a big difference. But, um, you know, I, I I loved my time there, but it was just it, I just needed a little bit of a change and um, the chance to come play for a team like this and to play for a national championship is pretty cool. And uh, like you said, the, our team, we were together on the course, off the course, and if someone's winning, we're happy for them. Obviously, Vinny played lights out in Vegas, and Logan won at Pebble Beach, and then I won in Puerto Rico. So to have everyone kind of chip in here and there, and when someone isn't playing their best, you know, we still have a chance to win. So I think that's what kind of makes this team special, and, uh, you know, we're all equally happy for each other when someone's got the chance to win. And, you know, we're, you know it's helping the team, whether you're not winning or not. So it's... Uh, it's just it's cool to have all those people contribute here and there. Logan, I'll ask you this, and then I'll get Chris's side. Speaking of having fun on and off the golf course, I, I've seen your guys' Instagrams <laughs> with the handshakes. Tell me about that, and and tell me who has the better of who in those in those matches. Uh, it started because we I always talk to Chris about his chipping. He's been working on it. He's gotten a lot better at it. But I used to always like we. I was like, I have a better short game than you. And so he was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go out to the chipping green. We're gonna play. We play a game called Twenty One, and he was like, whoever loses has to post the other guys better has a better short game than them.' <laughs> so our very first one, this was probably I don't know, it was, it was a couple of weeks before we left for Puerto Rico, and we get out there and and it's like I was way up on him. It's the closest gets two, second closest gets gets one, and so I think I was up like maybe sixteen eight on him or something, and a make is five. So we're all, it's 16-8. I'm like, ah, I got this easy. He chips in and gets the other closest, so he gets up to like 16-14. And we're sitting there on like the second to last hole. I think it's 19-18. to 18. So he can't sweep it, and I can't get closest. And he hits first, hits it to like two feet, and then I make it on top of him. And so th- <laughs> that that was kind of a perfect uh, ending <laughs> to what to what we were doing. And so that that sparked that, and I was like, you know what? When we qualify, let's do the same thing. And so the very first one, he goes out and beats me by like nine. So I'm sitting here at Chris Goddard, beat me by nine, and I'm getting re- I'm getting replies on my Instagram like in one round, what did he-, he beat you by nine? And it, and I was like, no, 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 this is like a five round qualifier. But it was just something fun that we decided to to start doing. To because be honest with you, like I don't want to post saying that he beat me, and he doesn't want to post saying that that I beat him. So I think we might be we might be 2-2 two, two or something but he's got me in a in a couple tournaments so it's it's been a fun kind of uh addition to uh i don't know if that's gambling or not but probably it's probably it's probably not <laughs> it's supposed to be gambling but yeah, it's 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 not gambling, it's not yeah. gambling at all it's a handshake yeah. but uh yeah. calvin it's, ridley is not it's here fun. Right? Exactly. <laughs> that's uh you know exactly. it's, golf is it's an individual game but it's so unique at the the high school and the college level because you're part of a team so it's an individual game but you're trying to accomplish something as a team it's very different than what happens when you become a professional so how do you balance when you're at tournaments are, are you ever trying to talk to your teammates mid-round, practice rounds? Are you talking about scores that you might be wanting to go out and shoot? Uh, I mean, we'll start with you, Logan. You've been around a while. Just the team aspect of college golf, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, how how special is that, and how much do you cherish that, knowing that when you become a professional, that, that team aspect really kind of goes away? Yeah, Coach talks about it all the time. I mean, when you're here, you're here for four years, maybe five now with COVID and stuff, but and that's pretty much – the only four years that you get to be around elite players 
that you can kind of push and stuff. Because when you get to pro golf, you know, you have friends or whatever, but they're trying to beat you, and there's no sort of there's no sort of team uh, there's no sort of team aspect to that unless you play in a Ryder Cup or a Presidents Cup. He he always says that he's like, you know, there's 12 guys on a Ryder Cup team every two years, and that's the only other team atmosphere that you get besides college golf. And so it's been it's been so much fun to uh, to not only have a bunch of guys that are pushing you to to be better, but also uh, to support those guys too, because like we all want to go out and, and beat each other every single week. But at the end of the day, there's a team title too, and we've been lucky enough to to win a lot of team titles in the four years I've been here. And and every single time, you're not if if you get second and the guy wins, you're not sitting there angry that that you got second. You're you're happy that we went out and won because odds are. If a guy beats you by one and you guys are one and two on the leaderboard, you probably won as a team. So there's some sort of consolation prize to that, which is which has been really really fun. And I'm I'm a little sad to see that go, but I'm gonna try to enjoy it while I'm while I'm still here. You talked about the team aspect of golf, and I kind of got Chris's perspective coming from Rutgers. What was your guys's perspective as far as having a top ranked player in the country transfer in? Like, did you guys accept him at first, or did it look like you guys? He was kind of trying to take your job. What's that team aspect like when some top-ranked amateur transfers into your team? Uh, it was it was super positive. I mean, we saw it last year with Jonathan Brightwell when he transferred from UNCG, and he came right in and f- and fit right in, and he changed uh, the ability of our team. To be honest with you, I mean, without JB last year, we probably wouldn't have been in in as good of a spot, and I know without Chris this year, we wouldn't have been in in as good of a spot. So. I'm sure some people were thrown off a little bit at first, but when you sit back and look at it, you're like, we're trying to win a national championship here, and if and if that guy is the extra piece of the puzzle, which I think Chris is, then uh, it's it's a positive all around. So it's been it's been really good for all of us, and it's been a lot of fun too. And on the other side of that, Chris, you're the new guy coming into town, walking in, you know, trying to be the man. What was that like for you after kind of, I'm sure you have, you were in your comfort zone at Rutgers. That where, that's where you'd been. That's what you knew. Those are the guys you'd been around. You come in and you're the new guy. What was that adjustment period like? Uh, the adjustment to the team was fine. You know, we got, we got along right away. We were playing all the time. The, the thing I struggled with the most was just coming from New Jersey to Oklahoma was, was quite the culture shock. Um, you know, life moves a little slower here and it's definitely hotter in the summer, but Life moves um, a little slower in a good way, or do you miss the city? <laughs> it's good and bad. You know, I miss the chaos and stuff here and there, but, uh, you know, I, I like I like having everything being close to me, and, you know, everything's right here that you need, so it's nice that I don't have to drive 45 minutes and sit in traffic and be screaming at people on the road. But other than that, uh, it's all good. But, yeah, it was, it was cool to come in here, and, um, you know, obviously we got right to it when I got here, and, um, you know, I live with Logan now, and we we all hang out outside of outside of the golf course anyway. So, um, whether there was I, there was no no tough moment, I don't think between anyone. So it was smooth sailing, and uh, you know, I think I think that's kind of been the nice part about this team is that we there's really nothing that has there's no problems between anyone, and that's why I think our chemistry is probably better than anyone else's. Chris, I want to ask you, as someone who's done it, there's a lot of talk about the transfer portal lately, not only in football, but we've seen it and with the Oklahoma State women. They're, they're transferring out of there. As far as someone who's done it, is it a good thing for college sports or is it a bad thing? And maybe just tell me your overall impression of it. Um, I, it's good, but there's a right and wrong way to go about it. Um, you know, I haven't read into the stories of the Oklahoma State women's stuff yet, but um, – 
you know, I made a promise to do when I signed. I I was going to do my four years, and I wasn't going to leave or ditch anyone any at any time. But, you know, once I fulfilled my obligation, I realized that there was an opportunity that might have been better for me. Um, and obviously, I wouldn't have been in that opportunity without my four years there. So, um, without that, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be here. But with the opportunity, I felt like I would have been kind of an idiot to turn it down. So. Um, to be here now, it uh, I think it's kind of aligned properly. So since let's just go ahead and talk about Oklahoma State a little bit. I saw some rankings yesterday, OU1, OSU2. Chris, you come in, complete outsider coming from New Jersey. Did you know about Bedlam? What did you know about Bedlam? And now that you're part of it, what do you think about Bedlam? Question coming from a huge OSU guy over here. Don't let him sneak in. I graduated from Oklahoma State. (laughs) I I bleed orange 100%. My outfit today, this is the closest thing to Crimson Cream I own. So I figured I would uh, throw this on for you guys. Uh, I definitely knew about it. Um, You know, it's not not what I know now, but, you know, we keep a running tally of how many times when we play them, how many times we win, lose. I think it's – do we play against – I think we're like 3-1-1 one, and one or something like that. So, um, I think we tied them once. I, I forget. But Eastlake must have felt good, though. Yeah, Eastlake was nice. Um, but, so, yeah, we, we keep a running tally, and we're always – I know they're watching us, and we're watching them at all times because – you know, there's a good chance that down the road we'll see him again. So, um, you know, and they got a really good team. And, uh, you know, I know it's important in all the all the other sports too. Like you see anytime we're playing OSU, anytime, you know, tennis, softball, whoever it is, football, everyone's watching and everyone cares. And it's just bragging rights for everyone. So um, anytime you can have a leverage over someone else, it's always nice. I want to ask Logan and Vinny, boys, like – do you guys kind of still have that underdog mentality with Oklahoma State, or has it changed over the last couple of years? Now, they're historically, you know, one of the better programs, and OU is just now one of the better programs. Do you guys look up to them, or do you feel like that they're looking up to you? I mean, I think at the moment it's kind of a head-to-head battle. I mean, I think as far as the playing field goes, it's a pretty level playing field. Now, if you look at history and stuff, Oklahoma State obviously has – has the edge on that, but when you're talking about Coach Hibble's time here, I, I would say that it's been a pretty, I guess not the first six years or so, but the last six years have all been, OU and OSU have pretty much been one and two, especially the last three or four years. So it's it's cool to see that being from Oklahoma. It's cool to see that because I think Oklahoma golf in general is is really really strong, and people don't quite realize that. But now that on the national stage, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State with Oklahoma guys on both on both teams. Um, our one and two in the nation is, is really cool because people I don't think have realized that in the past. They always knew Oklahoma State, but to have both teams there at the top is uh, it's not only good for Oklahoma golf, but it's good for all the players at uh, at both schools because when it is your rival, you uh, it, it just feels a little more important and makes you want to work a little bit harder to, to beat the team that's 60 miles away or whatever it is. So and Patrick, what kind of goes through your head when you're when you're playing Oklahoma State? You know, there's I mean, no one. Or being here at OU for the last four years and coming from California, Rhode Island, wherever uh, you want to say I'm from, because it's a long story. But <laughs> well, hold on, California, Rhode Island, we're about 3,000 miles apart. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's, it, it's a long story, but I'm from California, lived in Rhode Island, moved back to California Okay. Now, so that, but being here for four years, learning about the rivalry and stuff, obviously <laughs> it means more for us to try and beat them. Meaning, like, there's just a little extra meaning towards it. Um, I don't think we look up to them. 
by any means. I feel like it's a pretty level playing field. Um, we don't look down on them, certainly, mm-hmm. but we don't look up to them either. So, so I want to go back kind of to the East Lake Cup because y'all are playing them heads up match play for the cup. Previous going into the round, going into the matches, did you have conversations with Coach Hibble? I know you guys know some of those guys. Like, did you all talk with Coach Hibble? Like, hey, I want to play Eugenio. I want to play Brian. I want to play, you know, Rayhan, these guys. Or did he just kind of set the lineups and put you out? Are, are there certain guys on Oklahoma State, I guess, that individually you're like, I want that guy. I want to take that guy on. Chris, go ahead. Um, I don't know if Logan talked to Coach at all, but I like Coach to do his thing. You know, they're, they're I'm sure that's preparation for the future for them. So, they're trying to see what kind of lineups mesh properly, but um, yeah, I didn't. I obviously, you know, you want to take down whoever you're playing, whether it's whether it's the top guy or Bob guy. They're you know they're going to bring it. So um, I don't really, you know, whoever I play, I'm going to try to play my best against them and try to beat them. But um, I don't have any particular people I point out when I'm when I'm up against them. Yeah, I mean, same for me. Coach Coach does his match play lineups and. Even at the national championship last year, he wasn't asking us who we want to play or whatever. He Honestly, a lot of times he just has an order that he wants guys to be in. And the way that they do pairings, a lot of – I mean, sometimes he'll get the matchups he wants, but he's doing that all kind of behind the scenes, and he just lets us know who, we, who we're playing and tells us to go out and beat him. So I don't think there's much of us requesting someone to play or anything. Now, the national championships are so unique because it's stroke play, and then boom, you just have to flip that switch in your brain to go to match play. And it's it's different golf. It's different mentally. So, Logan, we'll start with you. You've played in a lot of nationals, some East Lake Cups. What is that like for you to flip that switch in your brain to, okay, this is match play now. It's just me and the guy on the other side of the tee box. What, what do you do mentally to make sure you're ready for match play? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I do anything proactively, like as far as the mental side of it goes. I mean, it's still – Coach talks about it a lot, but it's still just golf. Like, if you go out and play good golf, you're, you're going to win your match. And, and if you don't, then power to the other guy. But I think we've been successful at match play because we're all super gritty. Like, if we get three down through four holes, it's not like we're sitting there and saying, well, I'm going to lose seven and six today because, you know, there's 14 holes left and you're three three holes down. I mean, there's a lot of golf left. And so I wouldn't say that, that it's not – I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a mental change, but it's definitely – it's definitely – difficult to go from stroke play to match play simply because especially at the national championship you play so much golf like you play two practice rounds four stroke play rounds and then you play 36 holes the next day for match play and so it's more of a just gritting it out almost because there's going to be people that get worn out and there's going to be guys honestly that when you step up on the first tee and if you're ready for it you're gonna you already beat them on the first hole just because there's guys that get mentally tired physically tired and so it's fun to have that where you're just looking straight at someone and saying I'm going to go out and beat you today. You're not playing against 140 guys. You're playing against one. So it's it's a uh, – I love playing match play, and I think a lot of that has to do with, with what Coach has done here and just making us all really, really tough. So speaking of the national championship, it's a Greyhawk for the second year in a row. We looked it up. I don't think it's ever happened where a course has held it two years in a row, and it's going to hold it three. Do you guys do anything different in preparation knowing that it's going to be at the same place? I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily different in preparation. I mean, I know they changed the rule. I think it was two years ago where you can actually go out and play. It used to be within 12 months of a championship that you couldn't go out and play. So Even going Big out, 12s, I remember yep. we, uh, you guys weren't allowed to play Southern Hills yep. when I was in college. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think Big 12s, the rule's still there. But for Nationals, they changed the rule. Gotcha. Um, and so, like, when we go out, so we're going out to NIT 
next weekend, and so we'll go out and play Greyhawk before. I noticed you guys had some more early. Arizona tournaments yep. on the schedule coming yeah, up. Yeah, so, so Coach has changed our schedule a little bit to where we're playing more desert golf and stuff. And you'll see, like, at NIT, I think the top – us, Oklahoma State, and I want to say Arkansas is actually number three right now. All three of us are going to be there. Pepperdine's going to be there. Arizona State is going to be there. Arizona's going to be there. So there, it's going to be a really good field because coaches are figuring out, hey, desert golf's a little bit different, and we're going to get out and, and play as much as we can before – for May, because once once you get to May, you get those two practice rounds, and that's it. So, yeah, and Patrick, I want to talk to you heading into Greyhawk this year. You know, golf's a game of highs and lows. Guys get on heaters, guys go into slumps. I'm curious for you this year, getting back into the groove, getting back into Greyhawk. What uh, what was it like for you last year at the national championships? I know it didn't go the way you you planned on it going. And then, how do you go to Greyhawk this year and tell yourself, you know? Just because last year didn't go the way I wanted it to, this year my game's in a better place and go out and dominate that golf course. You know, last year was obviously tough for me just because I just had – I just kind of lost confidence, which sucks, especially golf. in golf. That's golf, I mean, yeah. But I've kind of just learned over the past few months to not ride highs and lows anymore. Just kind of, you know, like, reset each day. and just take It takes out the expectation part just because – Oh, you're playing well. You're gonna play well this week. Well, you're just creating expectation for yourself. And then if you're not playing well, I'm not. I'm not playing well. I'm gonna play terrible this week. So I've just kind of learned to just reset. Just take each day at a time, each tournament, and whenever we get to Greyhawk, then we'll worry about it then. So, Patrick, you also have a few nicknames. You have Vinny, obviously the cross-handed bandit, which is my favorite. <laughs> uh, where did Vinny come from? Yeah, so Vincent's my first name, so it's Vincent Patrick Welch, okay. and I think it was Lo- Logan gave it to me uh, freshman year. We were just kind of looking at there was like a roster <laughs> printed out paper, and it said Vincent Welch. <laughs> kind of the team was like Vincent, what? And then Logan was just he just said Vinny, and then coach just said it, and then everyone started calling me. And it's kind of funny. I didn't like it at first. Like I was just like, that's so dumb. Like now it's like. Well, if I hear Patrick, I'm kind of thrown off. I was going to say, do you go by Vinny normally now? Yeah. I think do you prefer pretty, Vinny now? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, okay. it, does, it doesn't matter to me, but, yeah, when I – it's just I hear it, I don't think anything of it anymore, so it's pretty funny now. What about the cross-handed bandit? You like that one? <laughs> I like that one a lot. I don't really hear that one often, but that's that was a good one. We need to get that one going more, Sam. You and me <laughs> that on the show. Nice. We need to get cross-handed yeah. bandit going more. <laughs> so, Chris, I wanted to ask you, and you'll have to apologize my ignorance when it comes to Rutgers golf. I don't follow Rutgers golf super closely. <laughs> um, have you played in national championships? Uh, are you – is it uh, – basically, let me start there. Have you played in the national championship? No. Okay, so you're going into Greyhawk this year. You're going in totally new, fresh, fresh meet at Greyhawk at the national championships. We're talking with Logan about what a grind that week is. It's what seven, eight straight days of golf. It's 100 degrees down there in Scottsdale at Greyhawk. I mean, I know that I'm. I'm sure you're looking forward to that, and I know it's not a given. We're talking about with Coach Hibble earlier. You've got to earn your spot at Greyhawk. But let's assume for the sake of argument, you make it there. What are you anticipating that experience will be like this late in your college career to tee it up with a national championship on the line? You know, I don't, I don't really know to answer the question. Um, I haven't really thought about it at all, to be honest. You know, obviously we're all working hard each day to get to that point, but you know, you can't really expect anything until you get there. So, um, you know, obviously it's going to be exciting and it's going to be. Um, Exactly what we signed up for, hopefully. Um, right. Now, have, fingers you played, crossed. have you played Greyhawk before? Uh, once, yeah. Okay. So, I, I, I'm i not going in completely blind, but I'm what, sure what, it's set up differently. What did you think of Greyhawk? 
it, it's good. I, I we played it like four or five years ago. So okay, I got you. I, Did I you make know, two hole in ones? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. No. <laughs> That's, uh, so I went to Greyhawk in December, and, and me and a couple of buddies, we had like a ten minute wait on the eighth tee, and we're standing there, and one of them's like. Didn't didn't the kid from OU make an ace on this hole? And I was like I was like Logan McAllister did. And I was like he made one on another hole too. And we were trying to figure out what holes it was. And I was like I'm just gonna text him. So I shot him a text. Logan, you aced number five and number eight last year, Greyhawk National Championships. I mean, was that the first time you'd made a competitive hole in one? And how wild was it? I mean, I'm sure the first one was wild, but then another one goes in. You've got to be feeling like everything's just coming up, Logan, at that point. Yeah, it was honestly wild. Like. To answer your question, it was my first competitive ace in that final round, and I'd made one other ace in my life, and it was by myself. Oh. So, so the the difference between I made one by myself, like didn't even know it went in. Too, it was kind of over a hill. Where, where was that? Do you, do you it remember? was at Belmar. Okay, on number eight, actually. So I got two number eight hole in ones, but uh, yeah, it was it was just like when it when I saw it go in, I kind of like looked around for a second, for a split second, <laughs> and then I was like, oh my gosh, that actually that actually went in <laughs> because I went from, you know, from being the only one to see it and then it to be on national TV in the final round of the national championship. So that one's pretty cool. And then the one in, in the championship match was, was crazy. Cause it, it was a, I knew it was a perfect number and I hit a, I mean, I hit a perfect shot to be honest with you. It kind of never left the pin, but to see it actually, I mean, the odds of making a hole in one, I don't even know what they are. One in a billion or whatever it is. But to see that happen twice in a week, I was I was honestly just in shock on the second one. I mean, my heart rate was probably 190 sitting right there because I was just like, what is going on? It, it felt like I was in some sort of, like, movie or something. And Barstool so, tweeting it out. And yeah, everybody said, well, yeah, it was, it was wild. The uh, I got on my phone afterwards, and obviously we were a little frustrated afterwards. But I saw it, and I was like, holy cow, there's a thousand mentions or whatever it was. So you it probably was, couldn't even read them all. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, was, I, I could scroll for three hours, and I probably wouldn't read all of them. So it was uh, – <laughs> I wish that hole in one would have would have got us a national championship, but it was it's a cool memory to have, and it's even cooler that it was on uh, on camera. So it's something that I can that can I have for my whole life because a lot of people making hole in ones, um, they kind of live it with their eyes, and that's pretty much it. But luckily, I'll be able to to show that to my kids and grandkids, whatever it is. All right, real quick, we got to go around the room. How many hole in ones do you have, Chris? I got one. You got one, Vinny? How many hole in ones you got? I got two. You got two. You've got three, three. Logan. Yeah. Two at Greyhawk. Sam, how many do you have? Four and a half. <laughs> four and a half? Yeah, I made one on a par four. Oh. Number 11 at Lincoln West. Sweet. Okay. I've got one. I've got one hole in one. So everybody Andy, in here at least has one. Or is that a combined. Uh, oh, man. 11? Hey, we're in the and double. We're in the double eagle club. I forgot the half. There we go. There, there we go. The what now? Double eagle club. Yeah. I've got an albatross. It was on a par five, though. It wasn't an ace. <laughs> yeah. It was. And it was with a pitching wedge. It was a Cimarron Trail and Perkins, which I'm sure, hey. Logan, you're from Oklahoma. You play Cimarron Trail? Ne- that is one place I've never played. Okay. 12th hole is a short little par five, mega downwind. It's, I know, it's a good, easy golf hole for me. I know Lincoln West very well, though. 11, <laughs> 11 is a sick, sick hole. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a great hole. Great short uh, par four. So, speaking of you being from Oklahoma, Drew Goodman also on the team from Oklahoma. Tell me a little bit about his game and him being in addition to the team. Yeah, Drew's Drew's been amazing. I mean, obviously he's a great player and he's and he's had a good season. But I mean, I grew up. We went to the same high school actually, so I played my last year of high school golf with him, and getting to play my last year of potentially last year of college golf with him has been has been a lot of fun. And to see him uh, perform well has been awesome because he he is an absolute grinder. He hits more balls than any of us, and it's probably double or triple the amount that that any of us hit. So to see him actually succeed and stuff. Um, has been awesome because I know he didn't have a great finish to kind of his junior career, and he came right out at Pebble Beach and, and played great, and he's been playing great ever since. So, I, I mean, I 
I'm hoping that he can keep playing well and, and put his name in the running for freshman of the year because I don't think we've had one since – I think it was since AK actually in 06 or whatever it was. Wow. So it's been a it's, – I don't even think we've had a guy that's even really been in it. So to see him, I think he's got – I think he might be the second highest ranked freshman right now. So obviously that's huge for him, one, but it's even bigger for our team. He's a really, really vital piece of the puzzle if we want to get it done at Greyhawk in a couple months. Well, and he's not the only guy who had a good week at Pebble. I mean, talk about that, hoisting the trophy. What was that like? Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, that that whole week is kind of a kind of a dream, to be honest with you. I mean, we go play Cypress Point the day before the practice round, oh. and then you go play four days at Pebble. So I always I always joke that, like, for freshmen, like Drew, his college career is just going to go downhill from there pretty <laughs> much. I mean, you go, play, you go play Pebble for four straight days. You play Cypress. We're staying at Pebble Beach Resort. <laughs> I mean, it literally feels like you're in a – in a dream for five days and so to be able to get it done there too i mean not that the golf is a bonus because that's still the most important part like you're trying to go win a golf tournament but to to have that on top of all the other memories is is something that i'll cherish forever well and cyprus you know not not a lot of people get to play cyprus yeah that's exactly. pretty special what uh, what was that experience like and just the golf course review cypress point <laughs> it's it's as i want everybody's cypress point review by the way not it, just logan's it's as good as it gets like i mean there's some people that say some of the holes are boring, and and to be honest with you, some of them are. I mean, there's there's an area kind of back in the trees that that if you, if you don't know your if you don't know your <laughs> if you don't know your architecture, like I'm big into architecture, so I love all of it. Um, and and then you kind of get off 15 T box, no, sorry, 14 T box. You start to see the whole ocean, and the 17 mile drive goes right through there, so you can see all these cars going by and stuff. And it, it literally feels like you're in a painting because there's I'm sure there's tons of paintings of that exact shot where you're up on a hill looking straight over the ocean. And then you make this little walk from 14 to 15T. And it is the coolest walk ever. I mean, it's this little dirt path that you're walking probably 200 yards to 15T. Then obviously 15 is a little short par three. And then there's another similar walk where you're kind of through some trees. And then it just opens up to this big peninsula on 16. And uh, it continues on 17 too. So th those... That four-hole stretch right there is – it does not get any better as far as views for one and then just strictly golf holes. I mean, they're all really good holes. So it was – it was uh, that's the coolest place I've ever played. I don't know if it's my favorite golf course per se, but as far as, like, being on the grounds there and realizing what I'm experiencing because there's not very many people that get to experience that is uh, – I've done it twice now and both times – were just absolutely incredible. I don't. Know, I don't even know how else to describe it besides incredible. Chris, so, I, mean, I just want to yeah, get y'all's takes on Cyprus, the uh, the famous par three. What club did you hit? Uh, two iron in the ocean. Two iron in the ocean. I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love right it. Right off the brick wall into the ocean. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a really cool place. Um, it's it's interesting because it it actually reminds me a lot of Bandon Dunes. The first probably tw so like each you have like a group of six holes that are kind of different. The first six are kind of in the trees. Next six are kind of dunes like, and then obviously the last six on the ocean are spectacular. Um, I think 15 is the coolest hole out there, better than six, 16, 17. Um, you got the kind of it looks like a lazy river kind of in front of the green with the ocean kind of splashing up against the walls. Um, it's just a really cool place, and uh, you know we were there. We saw I think Curry was there, Fred Couples was there. You know you you you're gonna see someone when you're there. So that's kind of the cool part about it. And um, yeah, and then you get to go play Pebble for four days afterwards. It's uh, it's not a bad week. No. Not yeah. a bad week. Other than Pebble, wh what's your guys' favorite tournament? Tournament? Yeah. Um, that you guys get to go play. I don't know. I can't really. 
I can't Puerto really Rico. answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Uh, I don't know. I've I, Colon- Colonial is yeah. Colonial is awesome. Um, right. I really like Merida. I know some people don't don't like Merida, um, but I'll die on that hill. So uh, for me, though, you know, Merida Colonial. Were, but I've only played you know six seven events here, so right. I can't really speak too much. What about you, Vinny? Favorite tournament. Favorite tournament. I think the most fun would probably be like Puerto Rico. Just because yeah. you're at the resort and you just play in the morning and then you just kind of go pool or beach for the rest of the day. Strawberry daiquiris. <laughs> virgin, um, virgin. Virgin. Of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> that, I think that's the most fun tournament for me. I always look forward to that one just because it's the first one of the first one of the second semester. I definitely like Vegas. I've always liked that course. We've gone out there before the tournament for, like, uh, Vickers Cup, which is, like, a OU, like, current team and, like, a bunch of alumni come out there. So we play there, and then I've played there a bunch. So I really like – that's probably my favorite course as for a tournament. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so we got a question on Twitter here from College Golf Book. It says, would love to know how much effort is put into stats and charting their rounds and the type of – Course management preparation done ahead of an event. I'll start with you, Chris. Mapping out the course, yardage books, greens books, all the info that you have available. What all do you do before a tournament to get it mapped out and have a plan? Um, well, we do. Well, to answer the question about stats, we do golf IQ, um, and Bill is kind of in charge of that. We'll. It's mostly a post tournament thing where you'll look at you know greens regulation, where you're missing shots, and uh, maybe where you can take advantage more often. Um, and then to answer the course preparation part, um, you know, honestly, we don't really do anything until we know where the pins are. Cause you know, there's certain holes where a coach has been there, um, and he wants you to hit this shot instead of what you may think, but there's really nothing crazy that goes into it. It's more of a, you know, pin location thing where, you know, where you're putting X's and you cannot miss there. And then where you have an easier putt where, Maybe you when you're in the fairway you don't see it like that, but when you look at the book you're like, all right, that's where I'm gonna, that's where I need to be, and that's gonna give me the best chance statistically to you know maybe gain a shot or two, but um, you know not lose a shot or two. Logan, my one of my uh, friends who's a college coach, he also asked. It's ironic that you just asked that question because the next question I was gonna ask was. You know, when you get on site at a tournament, it's not like a normal tournament. You only have one practice round, and if you've never played there, you kind of got to, you know, crash prep to know the golf course before the tournament. What do you guys do mainly when you get on site, and what are the things you focus on during that practice round, you know, just those one or two days before the tournament? Yeah, I mean, the good thing about our schedule is that it's kind of been the same for the last five or six years. So Coach has been to all these courses He's seen 100 rounds at every single one, so he gives us a lot of a lot of valuable insight. Like Southern Highlands, for example, there's like three holes. Number five is this little drivable par four, where some years you're laying up, some years you're going for it. Like this year, we went for it every single day. 17 is another one where super firm, and you know there's this back right pin that some people will go after, and uh, and they'll get long, and you're screwed. And coach always tells us, like, we're going to play this to the left side of the green. And this year it changed. So that kind of uh, knowledge helps a lot from coach. But I wouldn't say that we're thinking too much about that side. We let him take care of it. But for us personally, like, it's figuring out the green speed. It's figuring out how to play out of the rough if there is if there is any rough. We haven't played much rough this year. But uh, 
I think the most important piece of that from a player's perspective is is getting the feel with the greens and understanding that if you have a 60-footer, you're going to know what the feel is for that. You know, understanding the subtleties of the greens. We've been kind of getting a little bit more into aim point, which has helped a lot with that. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the biggest adjustment as a player is just figuring – because you, you're going to play on different green speeds pretty much every week. I mean, our putting green out here, it's going to be different than going out to Southern Highlands, which is going to be different than going out to Tucson. So – um, if you're able to do that, I feel like you kind of have a leg up on on the other guys. And then at home, what do you guys do? What's a normal week like as far as how much qualifying, how much practice? Do you guys have, you know, uh, practices that are all with the team, or do you kind of do your own individual thing? I mean, it, it completely depends on the week. I mean, we do a lot of qualifying around here, especially especially in the fall. We're pretty much at a tournament. Top 15 are exempt. The other guys are qualifying pretty much every single day. And even when they're qualifying, the other guys that are exempt are still playing. And and I think that's been really beneficial to just the competitiveness of, of this team because even if you are exempt, um, you still want to go out and, and beat guys. So, I mean, I, I would say that our qualifying to practice splits probably like 80-20. I mean, yesterday was kind of bad weather, but we still had practice and, and we did like some team stuff. We do a thing called the Ransom Belt Challenge where they set up our short course over here. And we have a ladder where you play the guy like one one place two three place four and so on and you move up the ladder and so sometimes we'll do stuff like that but even then it's still very competitive uh, natured so you're still trying to go out and beat guys and then what about workouts have you guys met Schmitty yet oh yeah <laughs> what's oh, yeah. he like um, he's nice to us uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we haven't seen the full they they usually you know they'll do some weightlifting and stuff. Um, in our area or like the weightlifting area then they go over to the field house and we don't hear anything about that that's kind of where the <laughs> the magic happens but um you know th- he's he's cool he's come up to us he, he's a big golf fan his son plays golf so um he's he's always asking us about you know the t- the week and stuff uh but it, yeah i, I wouldn't want to work out with him i would say that. <laughs> who's the biggest gym rat on the golf team <laughs> gym rat uh probably Blake or probably Blake. Um, yeah, he's he's probably the biggest gym rat. Um, what about Range Rat? Drew. 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 <laughs> Drew accounts it's for. Unanimous. <laughs> it's unanimous. It's unanimous. You go out there and you'll see like Adidas stripes on the range, <laughs> and you know who's been out there. So. Um, yeah, Drew hits enough balls for everyone in Oklahoma. <laughs> okay, so Chris, I wanted to ask you a question. This just popped into my head. We were talking about it yesterday on the show. There's a rule in the game of golf that if an amateur plays a professional tournament, no money is awarded <laughs> for the week. I'm just curious your thoughts. Uh, you know. And if that's not a question, you're comfortable with no, I'm plenty that. Com- I'm plenty comfortable with it. Because I'm putting you on the spot for um, sure. I could use $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, you know, I wouldn't have been there. The opportunity was worth worth plenty of money for me, so um, things will take care of itself. But on the other answer. hand, on the <laughs> other hand, um, yeah, it, it, you know, when you see the number at the end, you're like, huh, I, it could have could have been useful. But um, yeah, it, it it's cool. It's it, it is what it is. I understand the rules, and you know, if I was probably playing for money, I don't know if it would have been as successful as of a week but well i guess you knew going into the week it's not like you thought you were getting a <laughs> yeah. check and then they were like nope get out of here no there, like, there was no uh 
There's no like, oh, you're kidding me at the end when, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I actually paid my registration fee on Sunday after the last round. The lady never took it on Wednesday. And so the, the guy comes up to me. He's like, yeah, Chris, we need you to pay your registration fee. I'm like, oh, really? And uh, so so I actually lost money this week. Um, but it, it was it was funny. And your golf clubs. You lost those, too. For the, at the moment, um, <laughs> I love the idea. I love the idea that the registration fee didn't get taken on Wednesday, so you had to finish top ten in a tour event and then go up to the kiosk to make sure you were paid. Well, yeah, if I missed the cut, I was out of there. They weren't getting that, so uh, <laughs> so uh, they found me at the right time. So that was good. Yeah. Logan, what are your thoughts on all the NIL stuff? By the way, while we're talking about money, uh, I don't know. It's it, because it's still new. Like it's kind of hard to to say exactly where it's going. I mean, we've gotten a better idea of it. I mean, when guys go out and play PJ Tour events, which there was three guys playing tour events last last week as Amps, obviously Chris, and then two guys at Bay Hill, like there's going to be NIL opportunities for golfers in, in that kind of sense because you can throw a logo on a hat or a shirt or whatever. But besides that, I mean, I don't think any of us have really dealt with it too much just because it's not – you end up having to, you know, do stuff for it, whether it be appearances or whatever, and then and then you get to the to the idea that, like, what if it's a company that you're not going to represent in, like, for some of us, if we go pro in, in June, if it's not a company we're going to represent in June, then do you really want to be affiliated with them in in March? So it, it's been kind of a, you know, it, it seems super enticing because you're like, well, this, this company's going to give me this much money to, to do this. But in the grand scheme of things, like, that money's not going to change your life. And so it's almost not it's not worth chasing after. Like if something comes up and you think it's a good deal that, that could be a potential long partnership, um, I think there's some there's something there. But if not, it's not it's not really worth messing with, to be honest with you. Speaking of great partnerships, Groove It Brush. Shout out Groove It Brush. Everybody go get yourself a Groove It Brush. Stop cleaning your golf clubs dry. Groove It Brush. A little water, boom. No more wetting your towel down. Groove It Brush. Check it out. This is the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Uh, when's y'all's next tournament? What do you got coming up next? Uh, we're going to Tucson. Tucson, yeah. Tucson, okay. Omni. Um, I think it's Arizona's event. Uh, they just played the Collegard, the Champions Tour one there. So oh, yeah. I don't know what day. It's, it's sometime next week. I think towards the weekend next week. So yeah. right. we got a couple next, days next off. Fr- next Friday and Saturday. So Now, you guys are all older guys, so you won't necessarily be here when this happens. But what are your guys' overall thoughts on conference realignment? And oh, you I'll, I'll, I'll speak to this. Um, I, th- I think it'll be – I think it sucks for, for Big 12 golf just because, like, our deal that we have – is so cool because there's only 10 teams. You play twosomes in your conference championship. Like Prairie Dunes last year was the most fun tournament I've ever played in because, one, the pace of play is really, really good. I mean, you play a 36-hole day the first day, and it was blowing 30, and we played in seven hours, <laughs> 36 holes. Like you, when we go to the SEC, there's going to be 18 teams or whatever it is. There's match play involved, and I just – I. I understand why we did the SEC thing because at the end of the day, football runs everything, and, and that was the right move for football. But for golf, it, it is going to be kind of – Sad because one, the venues. Uh, I mean, we go play Prairie Dunes, Southern Hills, Whispering Pines. Um, I don't know if you can beat that rotation, but uh, I think it'll be really. I mean, it, it's going to be the best conference in golf. I mean, I know the Big Twelve is right now, but um, you throw us and Texas into it. I know Oklahoma State will still be Big Twelve, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to to see new teams too. You so. mentioned those three courses. Is it even possible to rank those, or is that an unfair question? Can you rank those three I'll, courses? I'll rank them. I, Prairie, Prairie Dunes, Southern Hills, <laughs> and Prairie's Whispering Pines. Prairie's one, Southern's two, and then I haven't played Whispering Pines. So. Okay. But 
it's really one A and one B as far as Prairie and Southern goes. I mean, you can't you can't get much better than either of those. I just I'm kind of a Prairie Dunes guy, so. I'm a Prairie Dunes guy myself. I've got a bachelor party at Prairie Dunes next month, and I, can, like I cannot wait. All right, I can't wait for this. We got a little rapid fire. Each of you is going to answer four questions, or really just word association. I'll say something, and you tell me what word pops to mind. All right? Who's going first? Chris will go first. All right. All right. Pizza shuttle or diamond dogs? Uh, I will never step foot in pizza shuttle. <laughs> um, so diamond dogs. Okay. Uh, Vinny, pizza shuttle or diamond yeah, dogs? Diamond dogs. Okay. Logan? Uh, I would just like to say that, that I don't think Chris has been to either of those, so I don't know if he has an opinion <laughs> on that. And my vote is Pizza Shuttle. Is that true, Chris? I've been to Diamond Dogs once, I think. He thinks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Tiger Woods, when does he come back? Ooh. Next year. Next, Next year? year? Whoa. Don't like that answer. I'm, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go PGA at Southern Hills just because that's what I want to have I was going to say, I like yeah. that answer a lot. Chris? I think I'm with Vinny. I think he plays this one out a little bit. I'm going to go 2023. Okay. 2023. All right. Uh, music playlist on your phone. Everything. I, I think I literally have every genre you can possibly imagine. What's the preference, though? Do you have the, a favorite genre pre- or no? I, no, I, it changes, like, every month. Like, a one one month I'll be rap, one month I'll be country, one month I'll, I'll be I'll answer this for DJ him. He music. listens to Mike all the time. I, I do have one artist I like. Yep. Chris? Uh, I'm a big EDM guy. Oh, That's good. Okay. That's Vinny? Yeah, rap, country, R&B, Spanish. I like everything. <laughs> well, that narrows it down. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Last one. Lincoln Riley. What, who was that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I probably don't have as harsh opinion on him as everyone else, but uh, I, I met him once. He's a nice guy, but uh, hope he does. Hope he does well. Oh, look at that! Look at that camaraderie. Chris is just saying that because he said he liked his tweet yesterday. Hey, I met him on my recruiting visit. <laughs> yeah, nice guy. <laughs> I don't have any personal issues with Lincoln Riley. I mean, it's it's a business at the end of the day. So yeah. what's the what's the harm? I guess some I people it. are mad, but I love it. It could be good. Yeah, very absolutely. PC. Very PC, no doubt about it. Uh, Sam, you got anything else? I think we're good. You guys have been awesome. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Good luck going forward this season. Hopefully, I mean, I mean selfishly, hopefully I can watch a Bedlam National Championship. That would be a lot of fun. That would be the ideal scenario, I think. Absolutely. We appreciate it, guys. Thanks for your time. Thank, Thank you for you having guys. us. That's Chris Goddard, Logan McAllister, and Patrick Welch joining us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. We appreciate everyone listening. Uh, Sam, what do we want to do? We've got options. We want to do players preview today. We want to wait and preview the players tomorrow. What do we want to do? Let's just get it done so we don't have to work tomorrow. All right. I guess I'm going to have to figure out who I'm picking to win the players this week. I think I've narrowed it down to about 50 guys. All right. Let's just take a break. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. Out. Come back on the other side. We'll give out our players' picks. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mccray roofing mccray roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mccray and the experienced team at mccray roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs mccray roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service security and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. 
That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. We're back, rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Sam Humphreys with you from the Charlie Coe Center down here in Norman. The hospitality, Coach Hibble, the, the guys down here, Chris Goddard up, Logan McAllister, Patrick Welch. Couldn't have been nicer, more generous with their time. Just an absolute honor and a pleasure to be down here today. This place is pretty sweet. It's awesome. I mean, probably the best facility or one of the best facilities in college golf. We get in here, Colby, and... We go into Coach Hibble's office. I mean, talk about an intimidating thing to do. Just walk right <laughs> into Coach Hibble's office. And he could not have made us feel like more at home being here at the Co-Center, offered us waters and snacks, all the stuff. He is the man. Coach Hibble is an absolute legend. And there's no secret to why he has had so much success here at Oklahoma. It's because not only does he get great recruits, but he treats people the right way. Absolutely. They treat people the right way. They do things the right way down here in Norman. Our guy Taylor Williams, a little under the weather today, wanted to be down here, but couldn't. Didn't figure it was a good idea, so hope he gets feeling better. Uh, it is Players Week. Sam, Players Week. Let's. Uh, have you actually physically seen... The purse, because Kyle Porter tweeted it out just a second ago. The purse for this and what everybody gets. What is it? Let me know. $20 million total purse, biggest in golf history. The top 36 finishers will make six figures or more. Oof. So if you run a guy out in your one-and-done pool and he finishes like T22, not as bad as you think. You're probably getting three hundred grand for that. Last place of everybody who makes the cut is forty three k. You make the cut, finish DFL, you shoot 90-90 on the weekend. You're making forty three k. Here's the top 10 in money. 3.6 million, 2.2, 1.4. So top three players all get over a million. And then we drop down 980K, 820, 725, 675, 625, 585, 545K if you finish 10th this week. The purse at the players is, it's a monster. It's an absolute monster. It's kind of the Super Bowl of the one and done. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, it really is. Can you imagine if you ran out of first and second this week? What, what did I say? 3.6 plus 2.2? <laughs> I mean, I mean you're right back in the lead. Yeah, you, you'd have to You could to be, be in last place and be in the lead. Yeah, as long as nobody else was on those same guys. And a lot of the same guys probably will be picked because it's the players. It's massive strength of field. It, it's the best players in the world. JT won it last year. Rory the year before. It, it's usually some big guns that come up and win this tournament, but that's not always the case. I mean, Siwoo Kim won it, uh, was it three years ago, four years ago? Wow, it's actually five years ago now. Mm -hmm. See, we won it in 2017. Uh, didn't seem like it was that long ago, but this has been the tour's flagship event. I mean, outside the, the four majors, this is the one that the PGA Tour considers the best test in golf, the best field in golf. And I don't know about you, I love the players, man. I look forward to it every year. I really do, too. Uh, now, re refresh my memory, Colby. Was it you or was it T-Dub that was talking a little crap on the finishing stretch out at TPC Sawgrass? Oh, that was 100% Taylor, and he's not here. Again, he's under the weather, so he's not here to defend that take. But I, I don't think he's, he's saying the three – I'm trying to remember the conversation. He wasn't saying that the three-hole finishing stretch was a bad three-hole finishing stretch. He was just saying it's overrated because everybody makes it out to be like this epic thing. I mean, it's – it is epic, though, there to are, me. There are better three-hole finishing stretches in golf, 
But this one is pretty good. It's I mean, up it's, there for it's, sure. It's up there. And based on the fact that it's the fifth major, you know, and, and it's one of the biggest tournaments, probably the best field in golf. Every big name is up there except for Bryson this week. And you get to see an electric par five, a gettable par five, and then, you know, probably the most famous par three in golf. And then 18, I mean, that fairway is like a ribbon out you, there. You remember JT's tee shot last year on 18? Absolutely. On Sunday? Absolutely. I mean, just snap hooking in the water and then gets the straightest kick that you've ever seen in your life. And yep. he, was, he was playing that rope hook all week last year at the players. It, let me ask you this, though. Is it the fifth major? Is it is it – are we past calling it the fifth major, or do you like that that term? That as far has kind as the of been strength of field, it is. Yeah, I know strength of field. I just I, and I saw something yesterday on Twitter, and this is kind of why I'm bringing it up. It's Tiger at his peak would go to the players, and he, he won it twice in his career. He won it in 01, better than most, and then I believe it was 2013, the other time that he won it. But Stevie Williams went on record as saying a lot of times when they went to the players, Tiger wouldn't hit his putts as hard because he didn't want to mess up any of his uh, control, his green speed, any of that stuff for Augusta. He didn't want to have to alter his stroke because he wasn't focused on winning the players. He was focused on winning the majors. So it's a massive But it's not advance. a major, but it's the fifth major. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's the fifth. I like, just don't know how By much saying I, it's the fifth major, I'm not saying it's a major. I'm saying it's the best tournament out of the non-majors. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I like the fifth major connotation. Do you think it's the best tournament out of the non-majors? That is a good question. Best tournament out of the non-majors. Um, off the top of my head, I would say yes. Off the top of my head, if we really dug into it, you could probably make an argument if you like the party at, at Phoenix. Right. If you're just a total golf purist and you love what takes place at Riviera, you could Bay probably Hill. do that. Even Bay Hill, if you like the but carnage. But it's not the strength of field is my point. Right, right. The strength you of may the field like the of the course, players. You make a, may like a course at a different place, but right. you're not going to get that strength of field anywhere else. And to add in, what, wherever you think that the finishing stretch ranks on best three-hole finishes or best finishes in, gener- in general, mm-hmm. you know – it has to rank at the very top to me of tournaments that are not majors. Yeah, just no, has you're, to. you're probably right. You're, I, and again, in I the just, purse. I, I just mean, didn't want to jump the gun. I'm just going off the top of my head, but I can't think of one off the top of my head that's a better event than the players. Also, this course, P Die course, it's got some quirks to it. It's a very unique golf course, and it really has lent itself to a bunch of different winners over the years. I mean, this is not a play. It's not a course horse golf course i mean we said right. tyler tiger only won here twice guys very random once you start looking yes. and trying to make a DraftKings lineup or a one and done pick it, it's kind of like guys will miss the cut and then finish top five yeah yeah it's rory the last three years the last three years the last four years the last three times the tournament's been played of right. course two years ago played one round poor hideki matsuyama about right suits. when it happened right right yes during the during the players? Uh, yes, it was canceled during the players. Because yes. if you remember, Hideki Matsuyama came out first round, shot either 62 or 63, right. and he was like four shots clear of the field, and then they canceled the tournament, and we didn't have golf for three months. So poor Hideki might have gotten robbed of a player's championship a couple of years ago, so maybe he'll come out and be the guy this week uh, in some bad weather. But, I mean, Rory, two of the last three times he's played it, he's missed the cut. The other time, he hoisted the trophy. Right. It's just, it's so random. Dustin Johnson, over the last, I'm looking here, the last 13 times this tournament's been played, Dustin Johnson has one top 10. One. And Dustin Johnson was, I mean, one of the best, has been one of the best players in the world for a decade. So 
this is obviously a huge tournament, Sam, and in our one-and-done pools, you need to pick the winner, but how do you handicap TPC Sawgrass? It's really hard, and the hard part about it is not only the water on the course, and, and you can get in some trouble, but it brings the shorter hitter into play, right? And, and there's some courses on tour that the shorter hitter has no chance, a.k.a. Torrey Pines yeah. or Bay Hills. You know, there's certain courses that it just doesn't lend itself to every sort of style of pro golf. TPC Sawgrass does, and I think that that's why you see so many guys that can have great weeks and then bad weeks, but there's the list of guys that can win at TPC Sawgrass is so big, and I think that that's the main reason why you see the variance in finishes. Yeah, I mean, last year I remember Brian Harmon was up there on the leaderboard. TG had a good week mm-hmm. last year at the Players. It's just it's always a wild leaderboard because inevitably there are going to be a handful of top 10, top 20 players in the world miss the cut. It happens every year. Last year at this tournament, one and done. It's the biggest tournament of the year for the one and done. Last year I ran out Patrick Cantlay and Webb Simpson. And you know what I got for my efforts? I got $0 and zero cents <laughs> because Patrick Cantlay and Webb Simpson both missed the cut. You know who else ran out Patrick Cantlay and Webb Simpson? Oh, we had the same lineup last yeah. year, didn't we? <laughs> I did that too. Are you fading both those guys this year? <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, See, I don't know if I'm going full fade. I'll have to pull up my draft. Just as far as one and done goes, I'm not running them out again. Well, and this week's even trickier. So Thursday and Friday, the temperatures are supposed to be okay. There's like an 80-90% chance of rain both days, all day. And yes, they have sub-air at TPC Sawgrass, but I mean, sub-air can only do so much when Mother Nature decides to take over. We saw that at the 2020 Masters that was played in the fall. And then on the weekend... I mean, about midway through the day on Saturday, a cold front's coming through, and it's going to go from 75 and nice to 55 degrees, 20-plus mile-an-hour north winds, and that adds another element of chaos that makes an already unpredictable tournament even that much more unpredictable. It does. Uh, We were also talking about some of the shorter hitters and some of the no-names who have played well at TPC Sawgrass. (laughs) And for some reason, every time I think of the players, for for some reason, Tim Clark comes to my mind. The Penguin. (laughs) Tim Clark. Tell me why that happens. I have no idea. Like the word association, TPC Sawgrass, Tim Clark. See, I always think TPC, woo! (laughs) (laughs) I like that. See, we got the dub five years ago, (laughs) and it just rolls in so naturally. It does. It's just so naturally. Do you want to go ahead and do DraftKings? Because I want to. We can. And then we can talk a little bit about the tournament. I want to kind of air out some of my thoughts here through my DraftKings lineup. Okay. So, first off, I've got a guy who, and we're starting with our cheapest option here. He's just been very steady at this course over the years. A couple missed cuts here, but who doesn't have them? I mean, at 6700 Matt Kuchar's pretty cheap. And, I mean, he won here back in 2012. It was a long time ago. Another couple top 20s, another top five in 2016. He missed the cut last year. But, again, course history is tricky with TPC Sawgrass. He's got a career uh, made cut percentage at this track of, I think, more than 70%. At 6,700, I don't think I'm getting better odds than that to play the weekend. So I'll run Kuchar out as my cheapest option. I don't mind Kuchar, but I think that there's an even cheaper option that is better for TPC Sawgrass. Taylor Moore, ah. our boy from Edmond, played his college golf at Arkansas. Got in as an alternate, by the way. Got in as an alternate, and Colby had the great tweet <laughs> yesterday and said, it, the, he quoted a tweet that said, Taylor Moore is in the tournament for Kevin Na, who dropped out. And, uh, and Colby said, Seems like a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I said a win-win if there ever was one. <laughs> exactly. And, and by the way, sometimes we make fun of Kevin Knott welcoming their third child to the to the world this week. So congratulations to Kevin Knott and his wife and his family. Yeah, do you think 
he's going to just uh, delay that too? Is he going to slow play the pregnancy as well? <laughs> Who's your cheapest option? Taylor Moore's your cheapest option. <laughs> I'm like, we're going down a rabbit hole here with Kevin Knox. <laughs> Oh, it's a long rabbit hole. It takes forever to finish. And, uh, and you walk to it slowly, one step at a time. So who's your second cheapest? Uh, my second cheapest here is Corey Connors. Now, Corey Connors, you know, he, recently before the Arnold Palmer at the Genesis, the Waste Management, the Farmers, and the American Express, he had no recent form really whatsoever. Three missed cuts in that stretch. But then he gets to the Arnold Palmer, a place that he really likes, and he finishes 11th. He's a great ball striker. If the putting can get rolling, I could see him having a good week at TPC Sawgrass. Finished seventh last year, and Corey Connors at 7,300 will allow you to put some bigger names in your DraftKings lineup once we get up to the top. If he can avoid topping it in the water like he did last week at <laughs> yeah. uh, Bay Hill, it was total. It was classic like 12 handicap move, wait for the green to clear, wait for everybody to get out of the way, <laughs> top it in the water, except yep. it was one of the best ball strikers in the world. Exactly. It was wild to watch. So I'm going to go with a guy. We're going wild nines with my next pick. Finished ninth last week at the Arnold Palmer, finished ninth last year at TPC Sawgrass. That's one Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's been playing some pretty good golf uh, lately. He finished ninth at the Arnold Palmer, like I mentioned, 10th in Phoenix, 6th at Pebble Beach. So his last three starts on the PGA Tour, all inside the top 10, Matthew Fitzpatrick, certainly trending in a good direction as we head into what should be a pretty tough, grueling week at TPC Sawgrass. And then next, I'm going to go with a guy who, again, high finish last week, finished second. That's Tyrrell Hatton. Not a not great course history here, but that for me is not a deal breaker at Sawgrass, especially in a week where the weather is going to get crazy because we know this course is just, you can just pop up and have a great week at this golf course. It's, it's not a horse course. Missed the cut here his last three starts, 41st prior to that, but coming off a second place finish uh, at Arnold Palmer last week, his first week in the U.S., first tournament in the U.S. this season. I like Terrell Hatton's chances to put a good week together. I don't mind that at all. I like that Terrell Hatton pick, actually. Uh, but I'm going to go 7,400 as my next pick, Sergio Garcia. Now, Ooh. Sergio hasn't missed a cut since the Sanderson and obviously has great history at TPC Sawgrass, has eight finishes inside the top 25 in his history at the players. Sergio Garcia is too low to me at 7,400. That's great value. But even better value is my man at 8,600 Brooks Kepka. If I can get Brooks Kepka at 8600, I'm going to take it every damn time. I don't care where the course is. I don't care where the tournament is. I'm taking Brooks Kepka at 8600. That's too low. That's mega cheap. We're about a month away from him nearly winning in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, he had a bunch of chances to win that golf tournament for the second year in a row. Now, he very much is a course horse, but again, it's sawgrass. It's, but he also comes to play in big events. Yeah, he does. He does. And this is certainly a big event. So, my next pick, I'm going to go 8700. Give me some Louis Oosthuizen. Louis Oosthuizen's that guy that will just kind of pop up, do his thing. He's very methodical. I think these conditions could favor a guy like him who just goes out and goes about his business. He's not a big, long bomber. I think he can play in a lot of conditions. So I'm going to run him out at 8,700. And speaking of guys who can play in a variety of conditions, my next pick, you'll love this. I'm finally hopping on the train. Give me a little Cam Smith action at 9,400. If it gets wet and wild on the weekend – I think Cam Smith could be a guy who could really deal with those conditions about as well as anybody and have a chance to win this golf tournament come Sunday afternoon. I was thinking about maybe picking him in the one-and-done as one of my two one-and-done picks this week. I didn't go that route, but I do like the pick, and I didn't go that route not because I don't like him this week, because I'm saving him for somewhere else. 
down okay. in Georgia. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. And then, so my next pick is going to be Hideki Matsuyama at 9,600. We were just talking about the fact that when, what was it, two years ago two now? Two years ago. Where, you know, he shot the low round in the first round and then the tournament got canceled. So he clearly has the ability to shoot low on this course. And at 9,600, five top 10 so far in the year, 11 of 11 made cuts. And Hideki Matsuyama previously at TPC Sawgrass other than the COVID year. In 2019, he finished 8th. In 2016, he finished 7th. But he also has two missed cuts uh, in his history at Sawgrass. But other than that, he hasn't finished outside the top 25. So you're kind of taking a little risk. If he makes the cut, he's going to play very, very well here at TPC Sawgrass. And then my number one pick Justin Thomas at 10,000. Oh, the defending champ. I know. And and that's what worries me a little bit. R- give, risky, the risky business. give the defending champ stat again. Real uh, quick. Defending champ stat. It's not so much a stat that I have pulled up. It's just the defending champ struggles at Sawgrass. I don't think anyone has ever won. Somebody t- tweet me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think anybody's ever won this tournament back to back years. Right. At, so, at TBC Sawgrass. And so. Justin Thomas, I'm not saying that he's going to win the tournament because I'm not picking him to win. I'm actually picking someone else who is too expensive for me. Uh, but eight of eight made cuts, five top tens. He loves this place. Justin Thomas is a surefire bet, and I just thought that he was the cheapest out of the guys that I think are going to play very, very well this week. Yeah, I like that. So my next pick, this is a guy I get hot and cold on him because he doesn't win. He really struggles to win, but he plays so much good golf. I'm going with Xander Schauffele at 9700 as as my most expensive option. I kind of have a more middle-loaded lineup this week. I figured with the weather coming in, that, that's where I wanted to live. His last couple of starts, third in Phoenix, 13th at the Genesis. Didn't play Bay Hill last week, which I kind of like. And again, the results are such a mixed bag here. 2018, his player's debut, what does he do? Runner-up. What is he doing his next two starts at the players? Miscut, miscut. So, uh, again, that's like Rory, two of his last three trips are miscuts. The other one's a win. Xander, two of his last three trips are miscuts. The other one's a runner-up. So, uh, course history, very random, but I'm going to go with Xander for my my most expensive pick. So, you were a little more expensive at the top than I was. I was. I had Hideki and Justin Thomas, but it's because I liked guys at the bottom, such as a Taylor Moore and a Corey Connors. All right, so I'm scrolling through here. I'm trying to see Tim Clark, 2010 champion, by the way. Maybe that's why it popped in here. The Penguin. Was 2010 a big year for you, Sam? I mean, I was 10 years old. I mean, I'm I'm just scrolling through here. Wait, no, that's not right. 2010? No, you were 10 years I was old 15 years old. I was going to say, you, you screwed up some math on that deal. Yeah. I'm just kind of scrolling, looking to see if I missed any. We're back here on a college campus, and I just, you know, don't have, don't know how to do math anymore. Okay, so I was correct about my stat. Nobody has ever won it two years in a row. But how about this? 1974 was Jack. He skipped a year. 1976 was Jack. He skipped a year. 1978 was Jack. So Jack won it, what was that, three out of the first five times it was played. Started playing it in 1974. Jack won three out of the first five. The good news is Jack isn't playing this week. Jack is not playing this week. Neither is Bryce. If Jack was playing this week, I think I'd run him out in DraftKings. (laughs) At his age or in his prime? At his age, right now. (laughs) In these conditions, you're telling me Jack wouldn't be in top five in these conditions. What, is he playing, like, the 150 marker or what? Yeah, sure. Let him tee it up in the fairway. I don't care. It's Jack Nicklaus. He can do what he wants. So, Let's get stuff. to the Super Bowl of the one and done, Colby. Dude, I have bounced this around so many times. This is making me nervous because 
how does it compare to a major purse this year? Uh, I mean, it's it's more. It's the, more. This is the biggest purse of the season, and we're picking two players. So you have to decide if you want to run out of Ron Morikawa at one at arguably the most random golf course on the tour in a week where it's going to rain and be in the fifties with twenty plus mile an hour winds. Yep. Are you? Are you? Let me ask you this because we're recording this a little earlier on a Tuesday than we typically do. Mm-hmm. Are you married to your one and done picks, or are you leaving yourself an out to change them? I'm always married to it because if I switch and go back, then I'm just kicking myself the rest of the okay, week. Okay, fair enough. See, I don't think I'm married. I, I've got them in here, but I think I'm leaving myself an out in case I wake up tomorrow or I'm laying in bed tomorrow night and something hits me and I decide to switch. Because, again, I can't decide whether I want to run out massive guns or I want to run out guys kind of middling players. You know what I mean? Right. So give me your first one, and then I'll give you my first one as it stands. I don't know who to say first. They're both huge names. Okay. I guess I'll go with Justin Thomas first. Justin, the defending champ. You're running out the one and done. have to. Okay. Because he's one of those guys that I want to pick guys that really like this place. Yeah. Okay, and he obviously really likes this place. And he's been playing solid golf as of late. I mean, sixth at the Genesis, eighth at the Waste Management, 20th at the Farmers, Century finished fifth, third the week before that. So, to me, I think that I have to go that big with Justin Thomas. And I'm not going to go John Rahm because I'm saving him for a major where I feel like he is more guaranteed to win. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I uh, So my first guy that I've got slotted in now, and I'm leaving myself an out. If I change it, I'll put it on Twitter. First guy I've got slotted in right now is Adam Scott. I kind of like the way Adam Scott's coming in right now. And again, it, it's going to be a wet, wild week at the players, so I don't know how committed I am to running out an absolute monster who I know what I'm going to get from him in good conditions. And Adam Scott, last few starts, 38th in Phoenix, but then he really popped, had a good finish, 4th at the Genesis, 26th at the Arnold Palmer. He took off two weeks ago at the Honda, which I like. I think he kind of got his legs back under him at the Arnold Palmer, and then he'll come out and play this week, uh, play well this week. So Adam Scott is my first one. My second one, and again, I'm probably zigging when everybody else is zagging because I'm not running out monster names at the players because the weather is just kind of scaring me off. Matthew Fitzpatrick finished ninth a week ago, finished 10th in his start prior to that at Phoenix, 6th in the start prior to that at Pebble Beach. I mean, those are his three starts on the PGA Tour since the turn of the calendar year into 2022, all inside the top 10. Uh, finished ninth here a year ago. I think he's trending in the right direction, and hopefully you catch the right side of the weather draw. So as it stands right now, uh, again, probably I might even set an alarm for 5 o'clock Thursday morning and wake up and look at the weather and make a decision on that. But right now, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Adam Scott, I am 69% committed to that lineup. The guy that I am picking has finished top 12 here five times. He's also missed the cut here five times. That is so TPC Sawgrass. I am going Rory McIlroy. Really? And the reason why is because his game is trending. He hasn't missed a cut since the Masters, Colby. Wow. Hasn't missed a cut since the Masters. Yep. Two, okay. two wins in that span, Wells Fargo and CJ Cup. Exactly. His game is trending, and I was going to save him for a major, but this week I just feel for some reason like he's going to play very well. Chris Goddard also told me that he thinks Rory is going to win just a second ago, and I think that Rory McIlroy – will break through and then continue that stretch of elite golf again on the PGA Tour. 
this is the week. I'm taking the solid play as of late, recent form. Rory will win the players this week. Yeah, I again, just history tells me probably not because it's so hard for guys to do it, but Rory's playing good golf, man. His last three starts, uh, well, I was going to say last three starts, he's only played twice on the PGA Tour in 2022, so CJ Cup was actually three starts ago for him on the PGA Tour, but in his two starts, Genesis, 10th, Arnold Palmer Invitational, 13th, and we know that kind of the weekend conditions of the Arnold Palmer he wasn't real fond of. He voiced kind of his his displeasure with how it was set up on the weekend when he went 76-76, but he's playing some good golf, yep. so uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily hate it. I I just the weather is so scary to me, man. The yep. weather is because I even I really kind of liked Morikawa this week, but I'm like, man, do I run Morikawa out and risk him just getting hosed by the weather draw? Yep. Just absolutely hosed, and then he's burned. He's burned. I just and you can't use him at Southern or anything. I mean, else. he's burned Weisberger at that point. That's just <laughs> he's toast. So, yeah, I don't know. I I just hope that both waves on Thursday and Friday. Like, if it's bad in the morning, be bad in the morning both days. If it's bad in the afternoon, be bad in the afternoon both days. What I don't want is for it to just be nasty Thursday afternoon and then also be just nasty Friday morning where one wave gets eliminated because of the weather, and hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully the forecast totally changes and it ends up being 70 and sunny with low winds. But that's that's my concern this week is the weather, but I also think it can make for a really unique and interesting player, Sam. I am... I mean, I, I'm on the edge of my seat, fired up to watch this tournament. Rory McIlroy, my best bet of the week is top five finish at plus 450. Top five plus 450. What Do you have it on there, which you get for a top 10 for? That just top gives you that 10. extra little bit of wiggle room. Rory, you can get it plus 200. That's a pretty significant drop-off from, yep. from top five to top 10, but depends on how much extra security you want there. This is a place where you can get some long shots from time to time. I mentioned the Siwoo Kim long shot. There have been some guys win who weren't really just at the top of the radar. I mean, you're scrolling down even further. Good ball striker. Weather gets weird. You never know. Paul Casey at 8,500, a guy who plays well in Florida, particularly at the Valspar. Uh, Chris Kirk, I... <laughs> I don't love Chris Kirk as a winner, but he's playing really good golf. And then another guy, Sam, and I'm going to throw his name out, and you're going to tell me I'm crazy. And I might be. I might be crazy. How are we living in a world where Tony Finau gets his first tour win since Puerto Rico seven months ago, and now we're getting Tony Finau at 90-1 to at the players. He's gained strokes on approach in his last two events, which that's a, a good kind of trending topic coming into TPC. Tony Finau at 90-1 to is such ridiculously long odds. I might just throw something on it just because he's too talented to be 90-1. to My best bet, if I was a betting man, I would throw money on a tournament matchup, Cameron Smith, even money, versus Sung J.M. Ooh, that, I think that could be a good one. What are they to win the tournament? 35-1 to for Cam Smith, 40-1 to for Sung Jay. So very close in odds to win the golf tournament. Also, I mean... Kepka shows up for big events. If you think that this could be a good week for Brooks Kepka, 35 to 1? I mean, some of these numbers just aren't matching the names. And right. I understand why, because those guys have not just been at the absolute pinnacle of their game. But 35 to 1 on Brooks Kepka? Don't you just blind back Brooks at 35 to 1 anytime you can get him at that number? Right. And it's a great place to do it because the strength of field is so high. Right, yeah. so you don't want to take the favorites in a tournament like this. Yeah, because you're you're not getting the 
you're not getting the best value there because, I mean, let's see who the favorites are. John Rahm's 11-1. to 1. I mean, John right. Rahm, uh, we know his struggles to, to win golf tournaments. A lot of high finishes, but struggles to win golf tournaments. I mean, 11-1 to 1 on Rahm, that's not as good a value as going down and getting Xander at 30-1. to 1. Right. Hideki at 30 to 1. Berger 30 to 1. Bunch of guys at 30 to 1. Also, how about Matt Fitzpatrick having better odds to win this golf tournament than uh, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka? That's unbelievable. Matt Fitzpatrick 33 to 1. Those guys I just mentioned, DJ's 35 and Brooks is 35. Did you did you say what Gooch was? Gooch, I was just scrolling down to it. 60 to 1, uh, right alongside Tyrrell Hatton. Those are the two guys who are there at 60 to 1. By the way, Gooch top five here last year. So if you Again, if you're scared of the weather and you're scared of running out big guns this week, top five last year, top ten last week. So, I mean, Gooch is a guy that you could look at who's been playing some good golf as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's going to be a great week, Colby. What are your overall impressions of TPC Sawgrass? You know, we talked about the finishing stretch. Yep. Would it be a place that you would want to go that is on your bucket list of places that you want to go play? I think it definitely would because, you know, you want to play the three-hole finishing stretch. You want to try two birdie 16 and then par 17 and 18. That would be the goal, right? If right. you're, you know, if you're a low handicap, single-digit handicap or lower player, you want to play those final three holes one under. Doesn't mean you're going to do it. I mean, I might stand there and splash three or four of them on 17, but I would want to play it for that reason. Also, I think that there are some really underrated holes out there. I think the fourth hole is a great hole. It's unique in the way that it's set up. And I think nine is a very underrated par five. Nine, you know, if you take your, if you're willing to challenge the right side off the tee, you really give yourself a better angle coming into the green. A lot of the guys can't get there. And it could be interesting if it gets cold this weekend, Sam, it'll be interesting to see just how reachable the par fives are, even for some of the bigger hitters. Because I'm telling you, if you get out there and it's 52 degrees and there's a 22-mile-an-hour north wind in your face on number nine, and I don't even know if number nine faces north. I've never been to the property. But you're not getting there in two, even if you're, you know, and Bryson's not in the field this week. But even if you're one of the bombers, that wind could play a serious role in making these par fives a little bit more of a wedge fest. I totally agree with that. And the reason why I asked you the question was because I played TPC Sawgrass yesterday at Good Good. Oh, you did. That's right. Our our man Jake Bullard invited me out to go play and test out the simulators. It was their first day soft opening yesterday. It's down in downtown OKC. It's called Good Good in the old Tapworks building right across the street from the Bricktown Brewery on Sheridan. So go check that out. They have five simulators. It's awesome. Good food and stuff. But... It was really cu- kind of cool to see where you kind of would hit it on TPC Sawgrass. Played TPC uh, well, and, Scottsdale and you as well. You actually posted a video of Jake Bullard hitting on 17 at TPC Sawgrass. Yeah. Didn't look like the worst shot in the world, but just took that one-two hop over the back. Splish splash, he was taking a bath. Yep, but he hit the mulligan button. Hit the, there's a mulligan button? <laughs> there is a mulligan button. Now I'm hooked. I'm hooked <laughs> on the mulligan button. So we need in real golf. Just a mulligan button. Yeah. And I love the fact that you don't have to actually walk the course. That is nice, too. Yeah. That is nice, too. Yeah. Get over there and check that out. Uh, And also give our friends at Ring Family Dentistry a call. Ring Family Dentistry, they go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading-edge technology delivering same-day crowns for more than 20 years. You want it, they've got it. Implants, clear lightener, orthodontics, they do it all. All decisions are made by the patient. If they can't show why treatment is needed, they will not prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Check them out, Ring Family Dentistry. 
dentistry. Sam, what an awesome day down here to come to the Charlie Coe Center. Check this place out. Just an unbelievable facility in the game of college golf. Pictures all over the place. You walk in, first thing you see is the national championship trophy from a few years ago. Uh, it's just a really cool facility and a great place for a college golf program. Yeah, I hadn't been inside here in probably two or three years, and the, the things that they've done to show their history over the past few years in the yeah. Hibble era is really cool. If you ever get a chance to, you know, get in here and see that, it's awesome. It, it just, you know, you always hear about Oklahoma State and their history and the and the things that they do to to promote it at Karsten Creek mm -hmm. and with their Hall of Fame and stuff like that. This stuff is awesome, too. Yes. I mean, yes. OU is creating their own history as well. And seeing the Burley boys up on the wall, our guys, Brad Dalkey, Quade Cummins. I mean, looking here. I mean, that, by the way, this picture here up at the top above Brad's head, they're standing on rocks, which what looks like a rapid river. And, and they're holding this. Uh, I want to know where that tournament was at. It, it looks like the Southern Highlands from last year, is I it? think. I mean, they're definitely standing on rocks in the middle of a river. So I'm assuming there were That's other one rocks of the for them to get out team there. Pictures I've ever seen because one guy has his two different feet on two different rocks with rod water running underneath him between <laughs> that, his legs. That's Vinny. That's Vinny? Yeah. Oh, I can't even tell from down here. That's a younger Vinny. It is. That's a little bit younger. It Vinny, absolutely but is. No, but. you're. And and again, what you said, it's such a testament to what Coach Hibble is building here mm. and, and making it special and making it the elite program in college golf. And you walk in and you feel that and, and you feel the history that they're building on everything they've got going on down here. So huge shout out to Coach Hibble, Chris Goddard, Logan McAllister, Patrick Welch, uh, all you guys. Absolutely awesome. Thanks for hosting us today. Absolutely. And you kind of also get a grasp of, of the team culture and the, the relaxed nature of the OU golf team as well. I mean, you walk in, there's a ping pong table that looks like there's been some wars on right here. I was going to say that ping pong, we need to get him a new ping pong topper. The, the, the ping pong table. The ping pong table, so, it, it so, has a dent. So it's a topper that goes on top of the pool table. It looks like and, a Bill's Mafia fan has been in here. <laughs> and if you have one of these long enough, eventually <laughs> it'll start to sink down into the pool table a little bit. So it, it seems like some very heated battles have taken place on this ping pong table. Yeah, and not only the guys, but the women uh, here on the right side as yeah. well. Big yeah. time stuff, and all here at the Charlie Coast Center. Just thank you guys so much for having us out, and uh, and good luck in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Players Week. We will uh, get this show out. We will make sure to tweet out our final picks, including Taylor's. Again, he was under the weather, couldn't be with us today, so we'll make sure to get his picks tweeted out as well. Thanks to all these guys for having us and for being on the show today. Uh, for Sam Humphreys, I'm Colby Powell. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the Colby, official Colby, podcast. Colby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What'd I miss? What'd I miss? Boomer. <sighs> do I have to? <laughs> yes. If I do it, are you going to clip it and put it on a button? <laughs> Say boomer sooner. If, if I do, are you going to clip it and put it on a button? Just say I will, it. I will only you do won't. it. I, I will say it. I will say it. <laughs> but I need your word that it will not get clipped and put on a button. That's the Carson only way I'm might, doing it. Carson might clip it and put it on the Pistols Firing podcast. Carson might. That's fair game. But I need your word that you will not clip it and put it on a button. Okay, deal. But I can say it because they were very but it has very to, hospitable. It has to be a little, little enthusiastic. A little enthusiastic. Okay. But it doesn't go on a button. Correct. All right, here we go to close the show. Three, two, one. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's it. That's the show. I never thought I would hear that in my life. Thanks for listening, everybody. The 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>